Welcome to Radio Avnet. Welcome to Avnet's Distributing Wisdom Podcast, where the brightest minds in the electronic components industry examine the many ways that distribution drives innovation. Our industry has evolved and grown significantly, so we're bringing together leaders who can share their wisdom as we tackle today's unique challenges and examine how our past is driving our future. On this season of Distributing Wisdom, we'll be bringing together experts from across the electronic components industry, including Avnet's own experts, to discuss how they're currently tackling the challenges we face today. On today's episode, we will be discussing the dynamics related to device programming and secure provisioning. Our first guest is Evan Sakalis. Global Senior Director for Programming Operations at Avnet. Hello, Evan. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role at Avnet. Thanks, Heather. Uh, my name is Evan Sukalis, and I am responsible for Avnet's programming operation globally, which is basically the ability to provide value-add services to the integrated circuits. I've been uh, on my 26th year. And I've been involved in programming both from a GIS perspective and now an operational perspective for the entire time. So what are some of the biggest challenges that your customers face as they approach this part of their product development? The complexity itself in the devices has required more detailed gathering of information and requirements from the customers, which means we have to have more technical conversations up front than ever before. And we also have to understand what the customer is looking to do with their device. On the same page, the devices are getting physically smaller which also sometimes means more fragile. So you can have difficulty handling those devices at volume safely. So that presents a mechanical challenge as well as an electrical challenge. Now also the devices are getting higher density. So that means more data going on the device, which means longer programming time. So then throughput is also a challenge. But I think the biggest challenge that we face is the fact that not all programmable devices are supported on a mass market platform. And so that can mean we have to create support and we do that as a matter of course, but that has a time frame associated and sometimes even a cost. And if you find that later on down the road, closer to production, that can be a lot more disruptive than finding that out closer upfront in the engineering stages. How have changes in technology affected the process of programming and provisioning for your customers today? The process has changed a little bit in that we have the supply constraints in the supply chain nowadays. And a lot of the tooling that we use to support devices use the same parts as the customers want to use in their devices. So the constraints have caused a problem. So a, a lot of the focus and emphasis is trying to gather as much information at the front end when some of these design decisions haven't been made or are more nebulous. So that can create a lot of challenges because the customer may not have developed some of these answers and, and we're probing for them up front. But I think one of the key changes we've made in our side is we've input supported devices, which devices are supported and which ones aren't, into our FAE tools so that when our FAEs, our, our field application engineers, are working with customers, they have an understanding of which devices we can already program. So that can be part of their selection criteria when they're guiding which device to use in a build. We're also trying to let the customers do more things online and give us information in a very structured and electronic way. However, because the complexity of the devices requires custom conversations, 
we're, we're actually having to have a lot more one-off conversations, right? Instead of, instead of one conversation fits a bunch of things, it's, it's really each part has its own conversation. The problem with that is you're pulling in a lot of higher technical resources up front and getting all of the people that are required for a given conversation all on the same call at the same time can be a great challenge. What are some of the unique strategies you're deploying to reduce the delays you might face as a result of these new processes and of the additional people involved in the conversation? The strategies that we recommend is trying to have as much of the requirements documented as soon as possible. Because a lot of times conversations can have nuances to them that may not be remembered after the conversation is over or that may be challenging to understand between multiple people you know, having input. So one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to guide the customers into having some documented information up front. And that way we can use that document to guide the conversation rather than generate the document out of the conversation. And that's traditionally different than programming because when I first started programming was here, fill out this form and we'll, we'll get right on it. And now it's more like, let's give us your requirements so we can have a discussion about your requirements and make sure we've captured all of the nuance associated. Can you talk about some of the differences between traditional programming and secure provisioning and how the need for secure provisioning has introduced additional challenges to that process? The way we look at it is traditional programming is more like a lecture. The, the programmer gathers all of the data that's required up front, even if some of that data is unique per device, it still gathers it all up front and it sends it to the device all in one shot. Secure provisioning is more like a conversation between the programmer and the device. And also there might be additional participants in this conversation like a hardware security module or an HSM or even an external authority or provider who has some functionality in the provisioning process. So this multi-way conversation actually adds a third dimension to device support. Traditional device support is hardware tooling and software tooling. Well, when you get into secure provisioning, you could have both hardware and software tooling, but you might not support the use case that the customer is using for provisioning. So that adds a third dimension, which adds time, complexity, and sometimes even cost, which can be quite shocking if that is revealed, again, closer to production rather than more in the engineering stage. How does Avnet work with its suppliers and vendors to create that support? So that, that's one of the greatest things I think about the value we bring is the ability to have that support created. We have the expertise. We've done it many, many times over. Sometimes we do it based on an opportunity, meaning you know a, a customer says, hey, I want to program this device and we'll embark on a support conversation with one of our vendors. Other times our suppliers, we get together with them and they're, they're our supplier partners and they partner with us to say, hey, this device is going to be coming out in six months. We want to make sure that we hit the ground running and we have conversations with them about getting these devices supported ahead of time to reduce the delay that might otherwise be introduced. So our supplier partners are an excellent collaborator with us to, to make this happen and to shorten the time to market. If your device is very complex and, and it's new and, and there's a lot of features and functionality, the sooner we can get our technical teams together to have a discussion, the better, because we can identify any potential challenges or roadblocks and assign the right resources to overcome them. And also we can do some of the heavy lifting for you, right? Uh, you don't have to figure it all out yourself. We, we can definitely apply our expertise and our strategies to help you win 
faster. Our next guest is Patrick Carriers, Regional Marketing Manager of Secure Solutions at Infineon Technologies, who will provide some additional insight into the complications related to secure provisioning. Hello, Patrick. Thank you for joining us. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at Infineon. Hello, my name is Patrick Carrier. I'm the application marketing person responsible at Infineon for IoT and cloud security products. A lot of what that entails and means is that I'm working with customers in the IoT and cloud security space to help enable their devices to become more secure. Provisioning is an, and secure provisioning at that is an important underlying concept. How does Infineon think about mass market programming and provisioning support? And how do you talk about it with your customers? First thing we should do is kind of break that question apart just a little bit. As you mentioned, both programming and provisioning. Generally, when we talk about programming, this is the term that we use to describe flashing your source code into your microcontroller. It's generally, uh, let's say, fairly straightforward where you have a, a recipe in a standard form that you fill out, where provisioning, on the other hand, is slightly different uh, in that we're talking about securely loading credentials and other sensitive data into a device, more often than not with a sick environment and in, in a lot of cases with the assistance of a HSM or hardware security module. As far as how we support customers with this today, there's a few different options. We as Infineon, of course, have our own internal provisioning capabilities where we can securely provision devices at a wafer level. But the problem here is that at a mass production sort of scale, this typically requires very high volume commitments in order to enable the sort of service for our customers. Secondarily, customers, of course, can take provisioning something on that they do themselves. But there is a significant investment in time resources and people that needs to be made in order to implement the sort of secure provisioning it goes beyond just programming. And then third, and, and really what, what provides one of the best solutions in terms of scalability is to really work with a partner such as Avnet, who has already made these sorts of investments in the right technology to enable the sort of scalable, secure provisioning. They've become experts in knowing what the process looks like, understanding, as Evan pointed out, the conversation that needs to be had in order to really enable this at a device level, as opposed to just your standard programming fill out the form and, uh, and you're done. Can you talk a bit more concretely about some of the pitfalls that customers have faced during the programming and provisioning process? Yeah, one of the biggest pitfalls that I've seen customers run into is just underestimating how challenging the implementation can be when they want to try to implement their own process. Because a lot of people say, oh, well, it, you know, it's just like programming. I can I can do it myself. But as I mentioned, there's a lot of resources, time, and people investments that need to be made to be able to, to do this right, so to speak, or to, to really, truly have uh, a secure provisioning setup. The other thing, too, is that when you think about it from the security aspect, how well do you trust those people. Now, in the case of Avnet, for example, you guys are using HSM type technology. So when you talk about keys and certificates and other security credentials, although there's there's a people element to it as well, uh, when you talk about provisioning, you guys are doing it in a secure environment using that HSM. So the the people that are there are are more operators. They're not they they don't have necessarily have access to those keys and certificates and the other security credentials that are going into these sorts of devices. It creates a, a, a level of isolation. One of the other pitfalls is people thinking in terms of scalability. They're like, okay, well, you as Infineon said you could do wafer level provisioning. If I use one SKU for all of my devices, then you guys could probably do it for me, right? Well, that 
in theory sounds good and, and might work. The problem is that it reduces the amount of flexibility that you have. So if you're a manufacturer that makes several different classes of IoT devices or IoT products, now you'll have some common underlying threads, how you connect into your cloud architecture, that sort of thing. But each of those device classes is going to be very different in terms of what it might require from a security point of view. You might have a lower security threshold for a light bulb and a higher security threshold for a doorbell because the doorbell is connected to your door lock. So in those cases, you might have different considerations that you have to make. So maybe you don't have a one size fits all for the provisioning setup for that device. To Evan's earlier point, each of these devices and device classes may have a different use case. So it's a different conversation that we need to have from a provisioning standpoint for each of these sorts of devices. Tell us more about how security comes into play when we're talking about provisioning devices and more specifically those IoT devices that you mentioned. Yeah, one of the biggest things in fundamental building blocks, if you will, when you talk about provisioning an IoT device is really one of the big things that you're creating is a secure device identity. It goes beyond just having a serial number on a barcode that's that's printed or attached to the IoT device. It's actually saying in creating a device that is truly unique from a cryptographic standpoint. And cryptographic is often a word that kind of scares people a little bit because they know it pertains to security, but there's a lot of people that don't really understand what it means. The, the short answer is there's a lot of math behind it when we talk about different cryptographic schemes. But when we talk about security, security is something that we have to take from the perspective of something that acts as an insurance policy. And, and one of the first things, if you go out and get an insurance policy today, your insurance policy is going to have a member ID number of some sort that's unique to you. It goes a little bit more when we talk about security of an IoT device than printing a number on a piece of paper, though. You need to have something that's truly unique and that somebody can't copy. They can't get a, get a hold of that piece of paper and then pretend to be you. You know, to, to put it, you know, use the insurance analogy, it would be catastrophic if somebody imitated you, uh, you know, wrecked their car and somehow claimed it against your insurance. You don't want that. And when you talk about an IoT device, if somebody can imitate you, then they can connect into your cloud services. They could pretend to be a valid part of a home network if it's a smart home device. And if they do that, then that usually pro provides some additional access rights and privileges from a networking perspective that they otherwise wouldn't have if they can uh, imitate or claim to be you. So the underlying theme here is having that secure identi uh, device identity is really one of the, the starting building blocks that everything you do from a security perspective, security use case perspective is built up from there, whether it's enabling your secure communications, because you need to know who, it, it, two devices need to know who each other are before they can begin to create a scheme where they can securely communicate. Uh, so it really is a conversation then? Yeah, it's happening while we're provisioning the devices, but that conversation doesn't stop even when the device gets deployed into the field. The device itself needs to have that level of intelligence and it needs to have those credentials. It's like, you know, having your, your passport when you go to the airport. The, the people at TSA want to know who you are. So what are some of the benefits that you've seen as a result of working in partnership with a company like Abnet? Well, I think the biggest thing is, and just to kind of tie the two concepts together, we talked a little bit ago about security and, and how important security is. Infineon is a leader in the industry in security. We have best-in-class hardware secure elements that we enable for our, 
our customers. Our technology is proliferating throughout uh, different IoT applications, whether it's smart home, whether it's smart industry, or even you know smart city. With that, Avnet's got the ability to securely provision credentials into these devices. This is important that we've we've come together and we've kind of partnered because it's kind of a two-step process. We have this, this really secure device that enables the storage of secure credentials, that enables supporting use cases beyond just you know having a secure memory, if you will, or even having a secure microcontroller. We really enable you know different applications ranging from you know some some of the places people see us every day and don't even realize it's us as things like government IDs and payment devices. IoT is a little bit different because it's beyond just making it to Heather, Evan, or Patrick's payment device. It it's actually saying my IoT device is a light bulb getting a secure credential saying, yes, I want to connect to AWS or whatever the cloud service is. Oh, by the way, I might be connecting to, uh, this is a light bulb from Bowlby Corporation and Bowlby Corporation wants to connect to uh, its own backend server as well. Now you have multiple credentials that somehow need to get into this device. How do you do that at scale? And that's where partnering with somebody like Avnet, Avnet can enable us to have these sorts of conversations to figure out, okay, what are all the different credentials that you want loaded into this device? Infineon helps you securely set up your process for connecting to these different services at a application level. And then ultimately when the end user gets this product, it's something that just seamlessly connects into that, into those different cloud services. They're able to use the device as envisioned or intended by the device manufacturer. to thank Evan and Patrick again for taking the time to discuss the important dynamics around programming and secure provisioning. To learn more about distributing wisdom and to read more about this topic, please visit abnet.com forward slash podcast. And thank you for listening today. Until next time.